It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Supreme Court has said that racial preferences also known as affirmative action, is unconstitutional in college admissions. Let me just translate this down for you so you understand exactly what the Supreme Court has said. They said that you cannot consider a person's color of their skin in the admissions process at the university level. The left is beyond furious. They're furious because they absolutely believe that you should be able to get into any school you want to, and it should be easy for you to get in based on if you are a minority. But that's what the Supreme Court said is unconstitutional, saying racial preferences in college admissions uh, violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. The Supreme Court decided this in this historic decision. This will have profound implications for racial preferences in many areas of law as well as public policy. Now, the Supreme Court upheld racial preferences. They have called affirmative action something that has been used in college admissions uh, since uh, since there was a, a court decision back in 1978. And since then, debates have raged about whether to use quotas, a point system, and other ways of favoring one applicant over another solely based on the color of their skin. Now, let me break that down a little bit more for you so you understand. Many universities, you could have lower test scores, you could have a weaker admissions uh, process or, or, or have a weaker candidate that would then beat out another candidate because they were given so many bonus points for the, the color of their skin. 
There are also universities where no matter how good of a student you were, if you had the wrong color of skin, you would not get in because they were hitting quotas that were put in by the university. So let's make it even simpler than that. A university would say, okay, we want 40%, right, of our student body or 30% or 20%, whatever the number is they decide, to be minority-based, So at some point, you ran out of positions, regardless of the academic transcript, the resume of a student, and they would lose out automatically on a chance to go to the college they desperately want to go to because of a quota system that's in place. The other thing that happened more recently is we were finding out that students who were clearly qualified to go to great institutions were being denied because of a pointed system, a weight system, that would allow for minorities to have so much more of a, uh, of a, an ability to go to a school because they were a minority. And there was no way to overcome that. Well, what the Supreme Court is upholding is some approaches while trimming the sales on others. Conservatives have said for a long time that the Constitution does not allow for any of the approaches that I just mentioned, right? Like, it doesn't allow for this. The Equal Protection Clause, the 14th Amendment, commands that no state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. The Supreme Court has always acknowledged that the central premise of the Equal Protection Clause is to prevent laws and public policies that discriminate on the basis of race. And what was happening at these universities is you were clearly discriminating against certain people solely based on race and the color of their skin. There's also another part of this, the 14th Amendment. It applied applies only to state governments, which includes state and local public universities. For example, Title IX of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 also extends racial discrimination to institutions that accept federal tax money, such as in grants and as in tuition aid. That applies to almost every private university as well, okay? Now, Students for Fair Admissions, that's the name of this group, they filed a bunch of lawsuits against public and private schools. The Supreme Court eventually took two of them, there was two different challenges. There was a challenge to the admissions policy at the University of North Carolina. You would know them as Carolina Blue, UNC. They challenged them under the 14th Amendment, and a challenge also was accepted by the court to Harvard's policy as well. The Supreme Court held 6-3 that UNC's policy is unconstitutional and held the same regarding Harvard's policy by a vote of 6-2. to two. So this was overwhelming that this was struck down. Justice uh, Brown-Jackson recused herself from the Harvard case, just so you know. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the majority opinion that was joined by all of the conservatives and also the moderate justices. The majority opinion declared that the Harvard and UNC, and I'm quoting now, The Harvard and UNC admissions program cannot be reconciled with the guarantees of the Equal Protection Clause. It concludes, quote, the Constitution deals with substance, not shadows. And the prohibition against racial discrimination is leveled at the thing, not the name. 
A benefit to a student who overcame racial discrimination, for example, must be tied to that student's courage and determination. Or a benefit to a student whose heritage or culture culture motivated him or her to assume a leadership role or obtain a particular goal must be tied to that student's unique ability to contribute to the university. In other words, the student must be treated based on his or her experiences as an individual, not on the basis of race. In other words, you don't get 30 points on a, on, on a point system just because you show up with a application that marked a box African-American or Indian-American when going into the college admissions process. Now, many universities, the, 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 again, this is from the majority opinion, quote, many universities have for far too long done just the opposite. And in doing so, they have concluded wrongly that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not challenges based skills or excuse me, challenges, challenges, bested skills built or lessons learned, but the color of their skin. Our constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. So, again, the majority opinion here making it clear. You judge an individual's identity by challenges bested, skills built, lessons learned, their academic resume, uh, their outside curricular resume, but you cannot judge someone solely based on the color of their skin. The constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. Justice Clarence Thomas also joined Robert's opinion in full, but also wrote separately to highlight the constitutional principle at stake by saying Clarence Thomas, not only did he join the majority opinion, but he also wrote separately to highlight the constitutional principles that were at stake in this case. He wrote this in the wake of the Civil War. The country focused its attention on restoring the Union and established the legal status of newly freed slaves. The Constitution was amended to abolish slavery and proclaim that all persons born in the United States of America are citizens entitled to the privileges or immunity of citizenship and the equal protection of the laws. Because of the Second Founding, our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. All right, I want to also play for you part of my conversation that I had with Senator Ted Cruz about this for our podcast that we do, Verdict with Ted Cruz. So make sure you download that podcast as well. But here's what he had to say about this. Well, this decision is a major landmark decision. Uh, It is a 6-3 decision. Uh, The majority opinion is written by Chief Justice Roberts. And this decision strikes down racial discrimination and racial quotas in universities. As you noted, there were two cases that were consolidated. One was the University of North Carolina. Now, that is relevant because UNC is a state school, so it is action by the government. And what the court concluded is that the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which protects, grants every citizen the equal protection of the laws, that under the 14th Amendment, the government 
cannot discriminate based on race. So every government school, whether you're talking about UNC, whether you're talking about University of Texas, whether you're talking about University of California, if it is a government school, they cannot discriminate based on race. That's a landmark ruling. The other case was Harvard University. Now, Harvard University is not a government school. It is a private university. The 14th Amendment does not constrict what a private university does. The 14th Amendment applies only to government. So the ruling about Harvard University concerned Title VII, which is the landmark civil rights decision, and, 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 and also Title VI. It's actually Title VI of, of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which, which governs university, and, and it concluded the same standard applies, that under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, at, likewise under the 14th Amendment, that racial discrimination is illegal. The consequences are massive. Two days ago, under existing Supreme Court precedent, it was permissible for UNC and for Harvard and for every other school to say, if we like your race, if it's a race that we want to favor, we can give you a benefit. We can give you a plus factor. We can favor you entirely because of your race. And if we don't like your race, we can penalize you. We can harm you. We can reduce your chances of admission entirely because of race. The Supreme Court, by a 6-3 vote yesterday, said that is unconstitutional with state schools, that is illegal with private schools, discriminating based on race is wrong. When, when you see this case, how will this change things, not just in the school admissions process, but now, and, and they've been screaming on TV about this all day long, that this is going to destroy uh, minorities' chances to succeed. That's clearly not the case in college admissions. In fact, affirmative action has been hurting Asian Americans for quite some time uh, in, in a major way, not being able to get into some universities with incredible qualifications. They're saying this is also going to destroy this country uh, in businesses and private sector as well. Put that into perspective. Well, uh, this is a landmark change because every university that was engaged in racial discrimination is going to have to change their admissions policies. Now, I fear the vast majority of universities are going to do everything they can to get around and to fight and to engage in massive resistance to this decision. Um, the vast majority of our universities, the faculty and the administrators, bizarrely want, as a matter of principle, as a matter of virtue, they want to discriminate based on race. And the bizarre thing is, look, one of the, the parades of horribles that, that you will see leftists, whether Democrats or corrupt corporate media voices or university administrators say, is without discriminating based on race, we will get lily white schools. That, that, that's the specter that they put forth. Now, there are a host of ways that you can ensure that you have a diverse student body without discriminating on race. The most obvious one that some universities do is to give a preference for low-income students, a, a student who, who is, is from a poor family, a student who has struggled to overcome adversity. And, and I think there's a very reasonable and principled argument that a student who is overcoming adversity, that that's a real sense of accomplishment, that if you grow up with enormous privilege and enormous advantages and you do well, great. 
But if you're a single mom in a really tough environment and you excel academically, that reflects something positive or beneficial. That will produce student bodies that are racially diverse. But what it will not do, so the existing university racial preferences benefit African-American students and Hispanic students whose parents are rich, who go to a fancy boarding school, but yet they just view it as race. And so if you happen to be a minority student with very significant socioeconomic advantages, you get an enormous boost. And if you happen to be a poor white student, let's say you're growing up in Appalachia and your parents, no one in the family has ever gone to college and you worked your tail off. Well, they don't recognize that. And, and so if universities want to, they can, number one, create a preference for low income students to give an additional benefit to overcoming adversity. They can, number two, create a, a, a benefit if you're the first person in your family to go to college. That's another way that we know will statistically produce a more racially diverse student body. They can, number three, create a preference if you grow up in a household where English is not the first language. All three of those are non-racial proxies that result in a racially diverse student body. Now, here's the amazing thing, Ben. Most of our universities don't care. Even if they could get the exact same damn student body they had yesterday in terms of, of, of racial breakdown, they affirmatively want to discriminate on race. It shows them, I am woke, hear me roar. And so you're going to see a couple of things happen. Number one, there's a portion of this decision where, where the majority says, look, nothing in this case means that universities cannot consider overcoming adversity, overcoming discrimination, overcoming hardship. What's going to happen is in university essays, the schools are going to try very hard to replicate exactly the affirmative action and quota system they had before. And, and by the way, if, if someone is a minority student, every student is going to be coached that their opening sentence is going to be as a Hispanic kid growing up in hardship. Here's the adversity I overcome as an African-American. Here's the, the all of the hardships I overcame. That will be the game to get around the system. And here's the second piece, Ben. You may have noticed universities all across the country in the past year announcing that they're eliminating the SAT and the ACT. Yeah. Announcing that those tests are optional. And you may have wondered why. I mean, look, when you and I went to school, we had to take either the SAT or ACT. It used to be every school required that. Why have they suddenly started getting rid of it in mass? And the answer is simple. Most of the universities anticipated yesterday's ruling. The writing was on the wall. They knew where this was going. And so they knew that come June of this year, they were not going to be able to discriminate based on race. And these radicals in universities, they want to so much that they said, oh, crap. If we have SAT scores, if we have ACT scores, and we keep doing the same thing, we keep admitting people of races that we want to preference whose scores are 100, 200, 300 points lower than students of different races, well, then it's going to be obvious and we're going to get sued and we're going to get nailed and we're going to pay judgments. So the way we avoid it is we just won't collect SAT scores or ACT scores. So there won't be that objective metric 
The entire reason the schools are getting rid of these scores is because they want to defy the Supreme Court decision and they want to keep discriminating, even though they could get the identically diverse student bodies without racial discrimination. These leftists believe racial discrimination is an affirmatively good thing. Now, before I get into more of this story, I want to say thank you and tell you about our good friends at Patriot Mobile. They are now offering a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Yeah, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer nationwide coverage on the best G4 and G5 networks, the same network and towers you're using right now. The difference is not only do you get the same great quality that you're used to, but they actually are a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. So this year, resolve to stop spending your money with companies that don't align with your values. In fact, actually fight against what you believe in. Switch to Patriot Mobile. You'll be supporting First and Second Amendment groups, the rights of unborn children, and even helping with adoptions. It is easy to switch. Call them right now. Or go online to PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. Or call them 878-PATRIOT. You're going to get free activation with the offer code Ferguson. That's 878-PATRIOT or PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. Justice Jackson, President Joe Biden's nominee of the Supreme Court, dissented in very harsh terms from the decision striking down racial preferences in college admissions decision. Now, the full decision and the concurring opinions and the dissents, you can read those online if you want to. But let me just give you some of what she said. Brown accused the court's six conservative justices of pretending that the U.S. is a colorblind society and ignoring, she says, pervasive radical racial inequalities that persist even in the absence of formal racial discrimination laws. Now, Justice Thomas, as I read for you a moment ago, says, hey, regardless of what you believe, when we amended the Constitution, right, and and got rid of slavery and we amended it, the Constitution is colorblind. Our laws are colorblind. She's saying it shouldn't be that way. She outlined a history of black suffering in America in the dissent. From slavery to sharecropping, from Jim Crow to redlining, saying, quote, the race-based gaps that first developed centuries ago are echoes from the past that still exist today. She added, quote, to demand that colleges ignore race in today's admissions practices and thus disregard the fact that racial disparities may have mattered for where some applicants find themselves today is not only an affront to the dignity of those students for whom race matters, it also condemns our society to never escape the past. That explains how and why race matters to the very concept of who merits, quote-unquote, admission. Describing, by the way, the use of race in admissions at Harvard and the University of North Carolina as a plus factor and ignoring the burden suffered by Asian Americans and others harmed by the policy. She argued that there were, quote, universal benefits to using race in college admissions policies, not just for the beneficiaries. She said, quote, in the dissent, do not miss the point that ensuring a diverse student body 
and higher education helps everyone, not just those who, due to their race, have directly inherited distinct disadvantages with respect to their health, wealth, and well-being, she wrote. Obviously, she was very frustrated. She also argued in the dissent that race blindness will delay the day that every American has an equal opportunity to thrive regardless of race, even though the data is actually showing the opposite of that. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. There are countless young women and countless young men who, by the way, are poor, who have not gotten scholarships and have not gotten into amazing universities because they were born with the wrong color skin. And that wrong color is anything but what is described as a minority. Many Asian Americans have also not gotten into universities because they have not been weighted at the same level as Hispanic Americans, Indian Americans, and African Americans. That is clearly, I would argue, a form of racism. When you have one race that you choose to have more students come in or have more weighting than another race, how is that not discrimination? And that's exactly what the justices were saying. They were saying, you can't do this at UNC. You can't do this at Harvard. You can't do this at other universities where you have a quota system where you decide what you think is the perfect blend of minorities in your university. You can't discriminate against amazing students because they have the wrong color of skin. Right. Racism is racism and and bigotry is bigotry. And and having these quotas is not good for America. And the government, they're saying, are again, our Constitution is colorblind. The dissent, they're saying, no, no, no. Our government should absolutely fill quotas and advocate for quotas and decide to pick winners and losers solely based on the color of your skin. Let me go back to the dissent, though. They say, quote, with let them eat cake, obliviousness. Today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces color blindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. And having so detached itself from this country's actual past and present experiences, the court has now been lured into interfering with the crucial work that UNC and other institutions of higher learning are doing to solve America's real-world problems. I couldn't, by the way, disagree more with that statement. She says, quote, no one benefits from ignorance, although former race-linked legal barriers are gone. Race still matters to the lived experiences of all Americans in innumerable ways. And today's ruling makes things worse, not better. The best that can be said of the majority's perspective is that it proceeds from the hope that preventing consideration of race will end racism. But if that is its motivation, the majority proceeds in vain. If the colleges of this country are required to ignore a thing, that matters. It will not just go away. It will take longer for racism to leave us. And ultimately, ignoring race just makes it matter worse. Now, I actually believe that affirmative action breeds racism at the, at the college level because it also undermines minorities that get in on their merits outside of a quota system for the color of their skin. 
There are people that have come forward saying that they were frustrated when they went to college because they should they they were there on their own merits, but people looked at them in class like, whose spot did you take? And you're only here because you're a minority and a quota system, not because of how hard you worked. That's undermining the accomplishments of amazing men and women who are minorities, right? Now, in his own concurring opinion, Justice Thomas took on Justice Jackson's dissent, saying this. Justice Jackson would replace the second founder's vision with an organizing principle based on race. In fact, in her view, almost all of life outcomes may be unhesitantly ascribed to race. This lore is not and has never been true. Even the segregated South where I grew up, individuals were not the sum of their skin color. Then as now, not all disparities are based on race. Not all people are racist and not all differences between individuals are ascribed to race. Worse still, Justice Jackson uses her broad observation about statistical relationships between race and select measures of health, wealth, and well-being to label all blacks as victims. Her desire to do so is unfathomable to me. I cannot deny the great accomplishments of black Americans, including those who succeeded despite long odds. Justice Jackson then builds from her faulty premise to call for action, arguing that courts should defer to experts, quote unquote, and allow institutions to discriminate on the basis of race. Make no mistake, her dissent is not a vanguard of the innocent and helpless. It is instead a call for empower privileged elites who will tell us what is required to level the playing field, quote unquote, among castes and classifications that they alone can divine. Then after siloing all of us into racial castes and pitting those castes against each other, the dissent somehow believes that we will be able to, at some undefined point, march forward together into some utopian version Social movements that invoke these sorts of rallying cries historically have ended disastrously. Unsurprisingly, this tried and failed system defies both law and reason. Hell yes to Clarence Thomas for having the guts to write that. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm gonna talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, 
and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me also tell you about our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. Have you been saving a long time for retirement? Well, if you have, you've probably been really stressed out over the last year with interest rates have been skyrocketing, inflation issues, bank failures, uh, and people that have actually lost some money in their retirement accounts. If you aren't invested and diversified in gold, you should check out Augusta Precious Metals. Augusta Precious Metals, they're just different. They'll even tell you if a gold IRA isn't your answer. They give you the facts about gold and precious metals. It's all about protecting your IRA and protecting your 401k in this crazy economy. And it's so important if you're in retirement or close to retirement because there's no time to make up losses. Now, if you've had those losses, you know what I'm talking about. So if you've saved $100,000 or more, Take a look at their free guide that they'll send you, and they'll do a one-on-one conference with you to talk about your financial portfolio. Both are filled with economic insights, and their gold IRA info will give you peace of mind of knowing that, hey, you can protect your hard-earned dollars. 877, the number four, gold IRA. That's 877, the number four, gold IRA. Or visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com, or 877, the number four, gold IRA. I want you to hear what Winsome Sears had to say uh, about Justice KBJ. Listen to this from Fox News earlier. What would you say to, to these justices? Well, what you have is a justice who was chosen because she's black and because she's a woman. Uh, you know, that's what we're understanding now, what a woman is. And Martha, while we're playing these stupid games, I'm saying that education and the lack of it in America is risen to a national crisis. China is not playing these stupid games. China is interested in total world domination, and so is Russia and the rest of them. That's what we have to be concerned about. Our children are not learning. And in fact, when they do graduate from high school and decide to go on to college, Martha, more than 60% of them, according to the statistics, need remedial education that very first year. So you know how uh, the president is talking about getting rid of student loans? Well, then the children are having to stay one extra year in college based on loans that they've taken for work that they should have completed when they were in high school. Mm. So let's cut that and let's get to what the remedies are and i'm pulling for school choice school choice now our children are in need i love the fact that lieutenant governor of virginia came out and said this saying let's be clear there is a supreme court justice that was chosen solely based on race solely based on the color of her skin and sex and and that's correct because joe biden ran saying If you elect me, the next person I'm going to put in the Supreme Court will only be a minority woman. He was filling a racial quota, just like universities have been filling racial quotas. 
And so he, the point that she made there was spot on. How many great people, how many amazing men or women should have been considered, should have been considered for the Supreme Court that were immediately kicked out because they had the wrong color skin or they were a man? Because you were totally discriminated against by this president of the United States of America because he said, I'm going after a quota only. This is the quota. If you don't fit this racial makeup, you will not have a chance at sitting on the Supreme Court. That is the fact of the situation. And the lieutenant governor in Virginia, African-American woman, God bless her for coming out and saying it the way that she did. Because Justice Sotomayor in her dissent in the affirmative action rooming said, quote, despite the country's unjustified exercise of power, the opinion today will serve only to highlight the court's own impotence in the face of an American, America who cries for equality. Resound. That's what Justice Sotomayor said. And Sears said, well, what you have is the justice who was chosen because she's black and because she's a woman who's now saying, I don't like that we're going to change that because that's why she got the job, to fill that quota. Columbia University president had this to say about what happened with this decision on MSNBC. Listen carefully to how angry they are over there. Sorry. No, I, I, I also which is really uh, i was not aware of the columbia veterans program which is that that is fascinating because they bring so much experience and leadership qualities um and skills that's all of the training that they have i just wanted to read part of justice jackson's dissent in the unc case she did not participate in the harvard case because of recusal she writes to demand that colleges ignore race in today's admissions practices and thus disregard the fact that racial disparities may have mattered for where some applicants find themselves today is not only an affront to the dignity of those students for whom race matters seven it also condemns our society to never escape the past that explains how and why race matters to the very concept of who merits admission that combined with the justices writing that there should be an end date to these policies, those that survive, uh, reminds me of the voting rights decision in 2013, which is to assume that at some point society will magically become race neutral, which doesn't happen. So this opens up, your question, Andrea, opens up the two different philosophies that are reflected in the Roberts and other uh, conservative justices' views about how to think about race in America, and that of Justices Jackson and Sotomayor, and formerly of Justice um, Ginsburg. To Justice Roberts and the others who joined him, Brown versus Board of Education was a great moment in American history, uh, declaring that the 14th Amendment required equal protection and not separate but equal schooling and other programs. Uh, in the United States and set off the civil rights uh, era. That was a great moment, but that was only about stopping racial discrimination. Any kind of effort to overcome the effects of racial discrimination are not allowed in his view. To Justices Jackson and Sotomayor, this is, and Thurgood Marshall in the Bakke case, this is wrong thinking that we've had several hundred years of discrimination 
against African Americans in particular. And we must, as a society, find means to try to correct for that because they're ongoing. They haven't stopped. And affirmative action in higher education began exactly for that reason in the 1970s all across the country. Every selective university tried to become more diverse as part of an effort in the country to grapple with the history and ongoing effects of discrimination. In the Bakke case, universities were told by Justice Powell, you cannot talk in those terms. And ever since then, universities have been limited in how they could think about affirmative action to just the diversity rationale, not to the racial justice rationale. So Justice Jackson and uh, Sotomayor are right to say the only way to think about this sensibly is to put it in the context of a history of racial discrimination that continues to this day and requires the work of universities and other institutions to try to overcome it. Affirmative action has been that. Um, so that's the that's the you know a fundamental difference in the ways in which we talk about affirmative action reflected in these opinions. President Lee Bollinger of Columbia University, uh, a leader for decades and decades on this and so many other issues of higher education. It's a real. I, I love it, right? Columbia University, we must find means to correct for several hundred years of discrimination. And so, therefore, this is the way to do it. So, therefore, we should just keep doing it. And if it screws over other minorities, we don't care because we give ourselves a hug that somehow we've done it right. Paul Butler on affirmative action. Our country is a, is at great risk of returning to, quote, the old days. I'm taking the case personally, he goes on to say. I was really struck at the end of our last hour in that conversation between Andrea Mitchell and Jonathan Capehart, and you wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post about affirmative action in 2022. And you write that you got into Yale University and then Harvard Law School because of affirmative action. I mean, big picture here, what is the impact that you think this will have on students? So we already know the dramatic and negative impact this will have based on the nine states that have already outlaw diversity in, in um, college admissions. Uh, in UCLA, California's elite school, uh, the enrollment of black and Latinx students declined dramatically. There was a brief submitted by universities in this case that suggested that the number of black students at these schools is going to go down to 2%. And yes, Lindsay, I'm taking this case personally as a black man who graduated with honors from Harvard after being admitted through its affirmative action process. I was as qualified as any of my excellent colleagues, but the reality is that before affirmative action, black people, Latinx people, native people, we weren't present at these selective institutions, even though we could do the work as well as anybody. And now that the court has in effect overturned one of the most successful racial justice policies of all time, our country is at great risk of returning uh, to those old days when black and Latinx and native folks, the people who, who built this country, are, are shut out of the opportunity to learn at some of our country's best colleges. Okay, so he gets in. And he says, I got in only because of race, but it was worth it. And the question is, 
okay, then who got screwed over? Who didn't get in that worked extremely hard because they had the wrong color of skin? Now, I, I'm glad that he got in, okay? I'm glad that everybody gets in, but you shouldn't kick other people out just to meet a quota. And that's exactly what the Supreme Court said today. You can't do this. You can't discriminate against other people based on the color of their skin while claiming that this is good for the country on the issue of discrimination. Like one person can't get discriminated against so that you can act like you're right in the wrong from what happened in the past to another person. That's not our country and our constitution are, quote, colorblind. That is exactly what Clarence Thomas said, and that's exactly what is right in this country. This is going to be a big day for fairness and moving on. And this is also going to be phenomenal for people that get into these institutions based on their merit and not have to worry that they're being undermined or whispered about, well, are they really here because they deserve to be here? They get here because they got in because of the color of their skin. This is going to fix problems, and it's a fabulous thing. Don't forget, share this podcast with your family and your friends, and I will see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Campbell. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.